0: show it is daniel Wortman coming to you live from the dream Imagine sports studios it is 9 a.m on the east coast 6 a.m out west in all time zones in between and around the world thanks for tuning in as always we appreciate it hope you're having a great morning so far Coming up here in just uh, a few minutes, uh, we are going to bring you a, a conversation, a little bit of an interview with some of the the players from the squad that I coach. And I uh, wanted to uh, kind of do a little Q&A with them about how they're coping with um, not being able to come to team training. What are they doing at home? And I think you're going to get a lot of honest answers and feedback Uh, as much as us coaches like to uh, sit around and, and, and think like, Hey, we're, we're doing, you know, amazing work and every one of our players are fully committed, fully committed. And they're just all in and they're, they're doing everything we tell them to do. Uh, The truth is that they're kids and especially these, these players, they're nine and 10 years old and you know, they're, they're they're figuring this thing out, and, uh, and so you you're gonna hear their their feedback and their thoughts of you know what they're doing, how they're spending their time, etc. Uh, and I think it will be a little insightful uh, for those of you who, you know, maybe you maybe you're hoping uh, for for one you know aspect, but the truth is it's it's probably a spectrum, which is uh, I think a, a good picture of what you will see. Uh, these are not the whole team. It's probably about half of our our team, our squad, um, and uh, so it, you know it's it's a, a good sampling representation uh, of the entire squad that uh, is on this um, on this conference call. It was a Zoom meeting that we that we do uh, a couple nights a week to just to stay in touch and uh, for the players to get to hang out. Uh, and so this is just part of that meeting last night where I actually did a Q&A session with them uh, during, um, you know, during that time. So um, if you would like to uh, during the show uh, any day, you can text your questions to one email questions to team at wrk.mn or send your Twitter DM questions to Daniel Workman at Daniel Workman. DMs are open. And as always, you can watch on danielworkman.com forward slash watch. So uh, those are the options where you can send in some thoughts and uh, maybe you'll have some thoughts and some stuff we talk about today uh, because one of the things that I want to get into um, you know, right away here at the top of the show is this idea of uh, why do you pay what you pay? You know why do parents pay what they pay, and and there, it, it's a multifaceted answer. It's not a, it, there's not one answer, uh, and usually it, it, it's several things. But why do you pay what you pay? Why do parents pay what they pay? To give that answer uh, has to go beyond the parent. We have to we have to zoom out even farther. We have to start to look at the club. We have to start to look at the ecosystem, the structure at which the club uh, is involved, participates in, etc. And then ultimately, we have to look at who's responsible. And, and, And that's the federation. But there are other factors that you may not have thought about. Why do I pay what I pay? It could also be college coaches and, and you, you'll understand a little bit more why I say that in a minute why do I pay what I pay now for American parents if you're sitting here wondering why you pay what you pay and 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 you've never thought about it maybe you're wondering do parents around the world pay what I pay And the answer is, parents around the world generally pay a fee, but it is a fraction of what you pay, and it's also categorized in a different way, and this is another piece of this why do I pay what I pay conversation that needs to be considered. When you're uh, playing in other parts of the world, you typically don't pay for a program. So when you're wondering, why do I pay what I pay? You're not you, your parent that's in another country. They are paying what they pay to be a member of a club. And with that membership, they get access to programming. They get access to membership in the club. That includes oftentimes voting rights within the club, access to a facility with a club. So you're paying for access to a multi multitude of things. When when You look at why I pay what I pay in the United States. When you're a parent, what you're paying for is one of the factors. Are you paying to be a member of a club? Or are you paying programming fees? Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but I promise you it is. And it's a big deal because it, it, it gets to the heart of the issue, which is philosophy, worldview, meaning this, clubs around the world, they view people as members, and sometimes you have clubs and leagues, like in Germany, for example where members must own 50% plus one of their club. That some wealthy person cannot own the majority stake in the club. In some cases, the entire club, 100%, is owned or controlled by its members. My favorite club, Barcelona, falls in that category. At the youth levels, when families pay for their child to be able to play football, to play soccer in other parts of the world, they're, playing, they're, they're paying member dues. They become members of the club. Think of it like this. If you live in an area where there is a YMCA and you go in, you're, you're paying 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, whatever the fee is, and you get access to facilities. You get access maybe to some training classes, some training programs. You get access to the pool. You get access to a lot of things. You're a member of the YMCA. That's a different thought process than I'm buying a program. What happens when the program ends? Access is over. It also means that when I'm buying a Program, like what often happens in the United States, families, parents, their time, association, emotional investment in the club, the organization ends. Why? Because the relationship was not built to last, it was built on a transaction. So most families in America are paying to access programming not to be part of the club. They don't necessarily get voting rights when they're when they pay their membership fees because they're paying for programming. We're going to play with this team or with this club from August until November and after that we're not going to to pay anything else and we're also not going to participate in anything else that's not really a club that's a sports organization who runs programming i.e. teams that play in some sort of competition maybe tournaments maybe a league maybe a combination of the both it's not a club. You're not getting access to facilities. You're not getting access to, to voting rights. You're not feeling part of the community. You are paying a fee to get access to a, to a program. And when the program's over, you're done and you move on. It's a it's a subtle distinction, but it matters. Another aspect of why do I pay what I pay? Why do families in America pay what they pay? We have to look at the amount that you pay. This is another big factor. Families around the world are not paying hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of dollars. A typical... Dutch family to pay for their child's membership to the club, which gives them access to the clubhouse and the locker rooms and the, the, the programming, the teams, the competition, et cetera, is usually two, 250, maybe no more than $300 a year, us dollars a year. That's everything that's for the year. That includes every bit of programming for the year. Now, sure, if you're a club in Amsterdam and and you're playing, you've got plenty of teams around to play. You're not having to travel very far. But if you do and you have to get on a train ride or you have to, you know, go to a a place that's maybe a little bit further away than you can get to on your bike, you're going to be responsible for that transportation. That's no different than any place in America. That's part of it. But the costs are, are kept low intentionally. Why? To get more kids in the game, more kids playing the game. Make the burden financially... Reduce that burden to get it smaller, lesser. So a priority is placed on local competition. In America, it's the opposite. Parents have bought the the sales pitch of clubs and leagues, and quite frankly, the vision and 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 an up until up until recently the mission of U.S. soccer with the Development Academy of more is better. More travel means elite. More money we pay equals elite. The more hotels we stay in means elite. The more flights we take means elite. When you look at an American family and the ecosystem It's not built around or predicated on reducing travel. It's not built on keeping the fees as manageable as possible for all families. You're not buying a membership as we spoke about a moment ago. You're buying access to programming. And with that, it's a much higher cost. And there are a bunch of add-on fees that aren't baked into the price. For example, every time you travel, that's coming out of your pocket because you're often not just paying for your hotel and your travel. You're also having to chip in and pay fees to the club, which may cover the coaches travel and the co- and the clubs make money off of that as well. So in America, why do parents pay what they pay? It goes beyond just a simple black and white. Well, they charge too much. But why? It's the ecosystem. But why? Because of bad leadership. Where? It starts at the top with the federation. Now, how do college coaches factor into this whole scenario? College coaches factor into this um, by the fact that they have budgets. They have constraints about where they can get to. And U.S. soccer has not done its job in scouting America. They have very few scouts for the amount of people in this country, the geography of this country, and and therefore, it's it's not like you could just go online and get an accurate database or talk to a scout and say, hey, you know, are, are they going to get a realistic shot at this, you know, pro team or getting a pro contract at 18? Um, yes, no, okay, well, you know... W- you know, do you, what kind of player do you think they are? There's no database to go to if you're a college coach that can really cover the entire country. Can you find some things? Sure. Can you get some information? Sure. Part of that depends on where you live. What's close by? What's, what's something you can get to and touch and feel and see for yourself? Network. Maybe you are in an area where U.S. Soccer has deemed it's important, i.e., MLS academies, MLS teams, and may, and to a lesser extent, some of the other higher profile development academies. All programs that that have been shafted from the U.S. Soccer development academy with with the termination of that academy nearly a week ago but those were the the small areas around this country where there would be the occasional scouts and it's where college coaches went why because it was easier for them there's all these players and there's a smaller subset of those players who have paid Elite money. They're not necessarily the elite players, but they're going to go and try to find the best players out of that group. Why? Because they know those families can afford college. And the travesty in this whole setup is that clubs have tried to take advantage of families for so long with this lie, and it is a lie. Pay us. For the hope of a college scholarship and i've heard this from directors of coaches i've heard this from coaches you know come here work let us work with your child you know and that's going to give them you know an opportunity at college scholarships etc to go play in college and yada 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 but it's a lie here's why If you pay the elite level fees, if you're at the top of the top of the fees, you're going to be paying thousands of dollars per year in the U S now, not all of those fees go directly to the club. That's why I'm saying there are a lot of hidden costs in this elite financially elite, um, youth pay to play club club soccer setup, but you're going to be paying a lot of fees in travel and hotel stays, food, etc., that go into this. And you're often going to pay thousands of dollars. I have talked to families who have played at this financially elite level, and they estimate that they have paid upwards of eight, $10,000 per year per child to compete in the, in this system. If you add up that amount of money over the course of when they, they began paying elite travel through their end of their high school years, that amount of money is more than they would have earned if they'd have gotten the max potential scholarship available to them at a Division I university. The odds are not in your favor. You would have been better off taking all of that money and saving it, putting it in a savings account, and have it for your child's college tuition or college experience, if that's something that you value in a family. So why do I pay what I pay? You have better odds in Vegas. That's why I say never should a family ever be told to pay us fees For a college scholarship or for the hope of a college scholarship or a better chance of a college scholarship. Parents should go into this with eyes wide open. Figure out why you want to pay what you want to pay. Some people are going to offer really expensive programming. Why do you want to pay that? You may choose to do it in the end, but you need to go into this with eyes wide open. Why do I pay what I pay? Coming up after uh, this uh, interview that's coming up after the break, at the end of the show, I'm going to get back into this uh, topic of why do I pay what I pay, and I'm going to finish out some of the, the reasons, but I'm also going to try to give a give a a few things that we could be looking at to change the way we do this the way we think about american soccer and uh, and i hope you'll you'll join me uh after um the this interview that uh, is coming up after the break Uh, but before that uh, i'd like to tell you about ductic brand d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com if you're a youth soccer player or a, or a youth soccer coach and you're trying to figure out a way to kind of track your progress, your track your development, or maybe prepare for a training session, etc., you should go to ducticbrand.com. That's D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com and uh, pick up one of the journals, one of the notebooks, maybe some, some apparel, etc. When you do, place your order Use promo code DWSHOW. You'll get 10% off of that order at ducticbrand.com. We'll be right back after this. So uh, first question will be for Jackson. Jackson, um, how many hours of FIFA do you think you've played so far while we've been on uh, hiatus from team training?
1: I would say at least three or four hours. It, it, like, not at the same time, but, like, I play it once in a while.
0: Three or four hours a day?
1: no not a day like once in a while like like 30 minutes like every week I, i haven't been playing it that much
0: so when you're playing fifa what 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 do you enjoy about playing fifa and and what do you learn while you're playing the game
1: what do i enjoy is well beating my dad and uh
0: What do you learn while you're playing? Do you pick up any tricks or any formations tactics, or any tactics? Tatic,
1: tactics. Um, tactics. Tr- tricks. And, yeah, that's all so far. I'm going to play wait more, though.
0: Awesome. All right. I'm going to move on to, uh, to Ian. Um, Ian, whenever you've been on this break, we've all been on this break, how hard has it been to only be able to kind of play with your your dad or your siblings and not be able to, you know, come together to team practice? Has that been frustrating?
2: Uh, kind of.
0: Yeah? What have
3: you missed about not being able to to train with the team? Uh...
0: Playing with them, playing with them, seeing them. Yeah, I'm sure it can be uh, a bit frustrating at times. Uh, Pierce, whenever um, you first found out that we were going to be uh, on a break and not able to get together and train, what was the first thought that went through your head?
1: This isn't real, um, and this isn't really happening. Um, I was really disappointed to not be able to um play with my friends, and so it's been frustrating.
0: In terms of training on your own or or playing with a ball on your own, has it has have have you found that you've had more time to do that? Have you enjoyed that or? is it just kind of been frustrating because you you really would rather just be at team training
1: Yeah, it's been hard cuz I'm not informed to do something. I have to come up with what to do by myself.
0: So, not having like a plan to follow has been a little frustrating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Luke, um now I know you've got a goal in your front yard. And you're always out there playing in your front yard and, 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 and enjoying that. Uh, what, what have you found to be uh, enjoyable for you when you've been out, you know, working on stuff? Has it been your shooting? Like, how, how, how many hours a day or minutes a day do you think you get out there in your yard and, and play and shoot on the goal? 30
3: about 30 minutes and yeah. it has
0: that has has the inability to come to training has that been frustrating yeah what do you miss about coming to team training
2: like playing games scrimmages seeing my friends
3: all right um alex in
0: terms of uh in terms of you being uh you know at home with your family and not being able to come to team training, what's it like getting out and playing with your brother and your your mom your sister what what, what has it been like to, to do that versus being up at the soccer fields all the time
1: It's fun playing with my brothers but Sometimes there's not really, like, a challenge in them. Sometimes it feels a little easy. It
0: feels a little easy? Do you, do you sometimes get bored only playing with your, your brothers? hmm So, in terms of the team training aspect, what have you missed about not being able to come to the park and train?
1: Mm, I miss, like, the rondos and the big scrimmages.
0: Okay, cool, Jace. Um, in terms yeah. of in, in terms of uh you know this this whole situation, we're all kind of social distancing and on lockdown uh, and not really able to get out and do what we want. What what is uh something that you have in, tried to do uh, while you've not been able to come and train? Have you been able to get uh, out and do any so, training on your own?
2: Uh, My brother and me would go to the end of the neighborhood and back jogging. It would be like three miles or two, and we would do it every day.
0: So you've been doing a lot of running? Yes, sir. Awesome. And uh, in terms of the, the training aspect, have you been able to, to do any, uh, you know, individual work on your own? Yes, sir. And in terms of the team training aspect, what have you missed about not being able to come to to our practice sessions?
2: Uh, Seeing my friends, basically. Seeing all of them. Um, uh, Miss, like, all the fun stuff that we do. Like, all the little games and that.
0: Yep. Awesome. Uh, Gage. Um, you, you're in a house with uh, older brothers and older sister uh, you've got a little bit of company and uh, everybody everybody in your house uh, is uh, comfortable playing with the soccer ball and goofing off, having a good time. Has that helped you pass the days or has it still been slow and boring?
2: Kind of both. Kind honest. of both? Yeah.
0: So in, in terms of you know, being there, is playing with your older brothers when you when you guys get out in the yard and play, do you feel like that helps you
3: become a better soccer player? Did we lose Gage? Oh, we may have lost him for a second. We'll see if he gets back. Um, let's see here. Let's go to Carson. Carson. Yep.
0: Yeah. Have you been holding up there, buddy? Have you uh you been able to do some uh training and stuff on your own? Nope. Nope. Now you right before we went on break, you you were uh, uh sick, but you, you've been able to recover. Um how how is uh how is the you've been how have you been trying to pass the days? As uh as you've been, you know, at home and not able to to go to school or go to training?
2: Uh playing basketball and throwing the football my big brother.
0: Yeah. You haven't been kicking any soccer balls at his face?
3: Mm mm.
0: Oh come on now.
3: That's what little brothers are for. So well, they got
0: let, let me ask you this carson what do you miss about team training
2: uh scrimmages friends and
3: rondos.
0: nice um let's see leland um, you uh you you're stuck here with coach um and and so you you get uh you get to go and 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 deal with older brother and with dad and all of that what's it like uh not being able to go to team training um and and what do you miss about not being able to go to team training
2: well I mainly miss most of the stuff honestly it's been kind of annoying it's the only thing I really miss I hate doing school which is pain but um like I miss like big scrimmage and like learning how to play him in other positions I've never really played before. It's been like hard to do that with like some of the problems I have with my feet. It hurts sometimes. Um, And it's hard to recover from that stuff. And it's just been like much harder, I think after we lost team training.
0: Yeah. And, and it it is, it's tough for everybody. Okay. So our, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a, A rapid uh, response here, Uh, and I'm going to unmute everybody for a second. And like I said, just kind of hang tight um, until I call on you. Um, But uh, in terms of uh, being on break, if if you um, if you've been able to watch any matches uh, on YouTube or on TV um, while we've been on break. I want I want you to raise your hand. All right. Some Who here has watched uh some YouTube tricks like like the uh, some soccer tricks or soccer skills on YouTube. Freestylers. Freestylers. Anybody seen any freestylers? Yeah? Yeah, me. All right. All right. Who here has um who here has read any soccer books or soccer articles for the, in the last few weeks since we've we've been on break? Jackson? Leland, don't put your hand up, Sonia. You didn't you do no reading.
2: Well, I have an MLS book, but I don't want to read it all. <laughs> it's the- I read an article on my phone about that. Oh, yeah.
3: All Can right.
0: I-
2: all right. Yeah, I was in a coma. I woke up this year.
0: All right. So, um, in in terms of uh, looking forward to you know getting back on the field, um, as i I'm going to throw everybody on mute for just a second as we as we wrap up uh, this part of the interview. It, looking forward to getting back on the field. What? This is going to be the question for everybody. So think about your answer. I'm going to go through, and this will be our, our last kind of rapid fire uh, part of the of the interview. and 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 the question is this: What do you most look forward to when you get to get back on the field to practice? Okay, so what are you excited about when being able to get back to training with your teammates? Okay. So I'm just going to kind of randomly go through and uh, and and get get the answers. Um, and I'm going to unmute everybody. Uh, Carson, what do you most look forward to? Back onto the field.
3: Uh, uh,
2: scrimmages.
0: Scrimmages. All right. Let's see here. Um, let me do this i'm gonna i'm gonna put you guys back on mute again because somebody doesn't have headphones so it's giving some feedback uh let's see jace what do you most look forward to getting back on the field
2: uh playing the little games that we play all the time like the little fields and like with the little goals and that stuff
3: okay cool Jackson, how about you? What do you most look forward to getting back on the field? Let's see. You're muted. It is not letting right, other oh, game.
1: Uh seeing my teammates and um uh getting back and start playing like games and start practicing uh again.
0: Okay. Cool. Gage, how about you? Um what do you what do you most look forward to um in terms of getting back to to
3: training, getting back on the field? Let's see here. You there? Yeah. All right. What do you uh, most look forward to? Like the
2: rondos and stuff and the scrimmages. And just hang out with my teammates.
0: All right. Awesome. Um, let's see here, Ian, what do you most look forward to getting back, uh, to training?
2: Seeing my teammates and playing scrimmages.
0: Awesome. Uh, in terms
3: of, let's see here, Alex. Can't hear you, Alex. Let's see if we can get you. You talking, Alex? Yeah. Okay.
0: What do you look forward to getting back to practice?
1: Mm, spending time with my teammates, practicing moves, rondos, and scrimmages.
0: Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see here. Luke, what do you look forward to uh, getting back to training, getting back to on the field?
2: Improve. Improving with my teammates, improving as a team, and scrimmages.
0: Awesome, uh, Leland. What What do you look forward to uh, getting back on the field, training?
2: Um, I've got to say everything. Everything. Everything.
0: So, can you give me a couple things to describe everything?
2: Um, scrimmaging, talking with my friends, actually being able to go somewhere.
0: Yeah that'll be fun. Um all right. Our our last one is Pierce. Pierce, what do you look forward to uh being able to uh get back to training and get on the field?
2: Learning new skill moves and um getting to be a better soccer
0: player. Awesome. All right. Guys, I appreciate you uh doing this. So tomorrow it'll be on the show and uh and we're going to play this clip for people to get a look at Um, soccer players here in America dealing with uh, the coronavirus and and uh, not being able to get to training and and get together so um, thanks for for doing this and and for uh, your answers Um, I'm going to um, head out of the way here and uh, and Leland will be here and you guys can hang out for a little while for the remainder of our of our time uh appreciate it again it'll be on the show tomorrow uh it'll be one of the segments on the show and big thank you to you guys for for doing this okay so see you guys later bye bye
4: no one no man no woman no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs with algae with disease in it Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world we know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth
0: from the squad for uh hopping on the uh zoom interview last night i uh, hope you uh, enjoyed that and and gleaned a little insight from some of these youth players around the country who are you know trying to figure it out they're trying to figure out how to you know, get through each day right now where everything's different and they can't get together and they can't hang out. I think one of the things that you, you probably heard was, uh, a lot of the sentiment was, man, we just, we would really like to see our friends and hang out and, and, and play. And, and you, you heard a lot of the, um, uh, comments surrounding, you know, what they missed about training in, in the, you know, the, the competition, the competing and the games and the rondos and the different aspects, the activities uh, that we do. But, um, you know, I think, I think that is uh, probably a good insight into what a lot of youth players are feeling at the moment. You know, they, they're trying to figure out what to do on their own. They really wish they could get back together with their teammates, and, you know, making adjustments to day-to-day life uh, at the same time. And, um, and and so, you know, there are things that, that these players and other players can do to get better. Uh, there are things that they can do to learn. Um, and some of that right now is, you know, watching matches, watching clips – Uh, a film it's getting out, you know, alone ball on a wall, uh, pass with a, um, a sibling or a parent. It, uh, it may be, you know, juggling in your driveway, uh, in, in your bedroom, uh, working on skill moves. There's, there's, there's all sorts of things that you can do in isolation, uh, activities that you can do in isolation and it's going to, and they're going to make you better players. Uh, but it, it it never makes up for the fact that you want to see your buddies and you want to hang out with your friends and you want to get back on the field and you want to play, etc. And uh, I just thought that'd be a nice little reminder to all of us. Uh, it's not just um, it's not just coaches. It's not just uh, adults or administrators or you know employees with jobs. You know that everybody's talking about it. You know th- these kids. Uh, need a voice too and and I felt like it would be a good time to to uh to have them kind of share some of their ideas and their thoughts about their own world, their own lives and maybe we could all learn something uh, at the same time. As always, you can uh, text your questions into one eight four four seven eight nine eight eight four four. Email those questions to team at wrk.mn or send your Twitter DM questions to at Daniel Workman. Uh, DMs are open. And as always, you can find ways to watch the show at danielworkman.com forward slash watch. So to pick up kind of where we were before we went to break, um, just want to uh, kind of give you a little bit of a refresher. One of the things we were talking about is why do I pay what I pay? Why as a parent, am I paying what I'm paying? And and so we were, we were looking at, you know, the, the, some of the motivations of the parent, which we're going to get more into right now. Um, we're, the, the system, the ecosystem, the club, um, and ultimately, the those that are responsible for the the system level which has massive uh, effects on each family is the federation the united states soccer federation which is the the national governing body for the sport of soccer in this country and it has been uh, for over a hundred years and this is the system and the lack of leadership they have left us with and and in, in that vacuum, we have seen, a, th- a you know, a three-eyed monster, uh, which is really, really expensive, pay-to-play soccer, uh, flourish in this country. And when I say flourish, I mean, like, grow and exist. I don't mean flourish in a positive standpoint. It's not good for the game that this money is, is, is in being injected into the game in this way. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll get back to that point in a minute. There are ways that I, I would love to see this money injected into the game that would get us more focused on the good things, the right things, and would actually help American soccer. What we're doing right now is, is not beneficial for the game. The ecosystem that we have where parents pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year for their kids to play is is often tied to programming, not to membership. And this is a big key distinction here. You don't have a voice other than the check that you write to a club for most parents in this country. You're not paying membership fees, membership dues, you're paying programming fees. This subtle distinction has, in effect, classified players and their families as transactional relationships rather than lifetime relationships or generational relationships. And what happens is whenever a family is is done with the programming, they're done with the club, but the club is always uh, or most often done with them. Now, later, they may hope they come back or would love for them to stick around and visit. And maybe an occasional one will begin to coach, or maybe they'll have kids and their kids will pay for play in the club. But it's really not a deep emotional relationship. It's not a lasting relationship. And that's because when when programming goes dark, the relationship goes dark as well. We've seen this play out during COVID-19. The whole world is on lockdown and people who, who are in clubs, many of them, have just been silenced, rejected, turned off, canceled, terminated. There are all sorts of words that I've heard bantied about about their experiences with clubs who have either chosen, look, it's just not going to happen, so we're going to cancel the season, or we're going to delay, we'll we'll get back to you when there's something you should know. And that's been it. It's keep you at arm's length unless we need you for programming. Other than that, we're good. That relationship, the way that families and players are treated, has really morphed over time and it's mushroomed into this really expensive elite pay to play travel level, the level where you've paid more than you could earn in a college scholarship. So why do I pay what I pay? I'm not paying for a membership. I'm paying for programming. Why am I paying so much for programming when, when players around the world who are obviously getting better developed than ours are, why are we paying so much in fees? Well, to, to understand that, we, we really need to think through uh, a couple things. Number one, uh, on a local level, uh, the club, because of the system that they're in, some clubs have been given what I would what I would call like preferred status. So they 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 have access to a a more expensive program. It's been marketed or positioned as more elite as a program, whether that was the recently terminated U.S. Soccer Development Academy or the the elite clubs National League (ECNL), which is part of U.S. Club Soccer. Uh, it could also be, you know, a a national league or. Uh, regional Premier League type setup with U.S. youth soccer. There's all these different labels. But one of the things that is, is has been factored in for a while has been uh, ex, ex, it's been expensive, and it's also meant a lot of travel and travel expenses. This is how we have decided that this level is elite. Well, by all metrics when you look at it through the lens of the sport of soccer, the sport of football around the world, the only thing that is elite about that relationship and that system and that experience for a family and the experience offered by the club is a financial um it's financially elite. And some of the other factors that may make it feel elite is that you're maybe you're feeling the pomp and the circumstance. You're feeling what I call fluff, right? It's it's the, the extras. And so it makes you feel like, yeah, this is good. I feel good. This is great. Like, you know, we, we got a quality experience. You know, everything is perfectly manicured and we have the best referees and we're playing the best teams. And so we, we've created this experience that feels elite and i certainly paid enough to to feel that that's justified because man i just paid thousands of dollars i'm my kid's elite but when it gets to the actual sport is it elite well you have to measure that by global standards. You have to measure that by how the world works. And by any standard, we're not elite. Our our system is not elite on the sporting side. We're not developing incredible players. We have talented players. But the ecosystem in the environment is not producing near enough top quality players for a country this size we should be having hundreds of really good players and dozens of elite on a world stage level players that's what we should be doing we've never come close to achieving that as a country And we aren't right now. So why do I pay what I pay? Why am I paying these fees? So on a local level, the club has been going around with marketing pitches about, you know, this is this is the best and this gives you access to this and this is exclusionary. Where does where does this philosophy come from? It comes from the federation the federation has operated because it has failed to produce quality at scale instead they chose to go a different route we're not going to produce quality at scale so we are going to limit access to give the illusion of quality this is called artificial scarcity this is a a, an idea that um I use to describe Major League Soccer and their business model. It's also been replicated with the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. It's been replicated in in other youth soccer experiences around the country. Clubs themselves in their own communities, if they don't have a lot of competition, will often y- use this same tactic to get families to pay them money. Well, we're the only show in town or we're the main show in town. If you want to play at a high level, you must pay our fees and play with us. Artificial scarcity, exclusionary practices. So this starts at the federation level. So here's a, a few things to wrap up the show today that could Could be done that we could do across this country to change this to make it better when it comes to parents. Instead of paying fees for programming, work with your local clubs to reorient the way relationships are developed and maintained between families and clubs. If I'm going to pay thousands of dollars per year. I need to be a member with a vote and a say. And in many cases, for that amount of money, I probably should own a share in the club. Something that has an asset value. Another thing that could be done is for clubs to work with other clubs in regionalize and localize as much as possible competition. Don't drive past two or three or four clubs to go play a club five hours away just because they're in a different league than the other three clubs you passed. Find ways to work together. Be more cooperative. If Barcelona is okay playing in their region, in their little part of Spain at the youth level, We shouldn't be getting on airplanes and flying across the country at 14, 15, 16 years old to play one or two games. It's absurd. At a federation level, they could be looking at actually leading. Where they got the development academy wrong is they they made it exclusionary. They kept people out. They created artificial scarcity unnecessarily. I argue and have been saying this since the news of the termination of the DA came out, that the the, the Federation didn't go far enough with the Development Academy. They should have made it accessible to everyone, everywhere. By doing that, you build regional competitions around the country. And you might have one national competition at the end, but you reduce travel and expenses for families. And by doing all of this, we can begin to get the money that's already in the game. It's in, it's in the billions of dollars in the youth soccer space. If we could get those families reorienting that money into ownership of the club, membership in the club, and changing our relationships from transactional to generational... We can slowly and organically over time begin to change the way the entire country views the sport, the way we're involved in the sport, invested in the sport, and ultimately, ultimately get the development of our youth back to the number one priority rather than the focus on their bank accounts that is our show for today thanks for watching we appreciate it as always you can watch uh, and find ways to watch at danielwertman.com forward slash watch thanks for watching we'll see everyone again tomorrow